Hi guys, as always, it's Darren uh, from Hackjob. For any new listeners to the podcast, um, I head up the account management and customer success teams here at Hackjob. This week, I'm joined by Mira Pankhania, who is the global early careers lead at Dunhumby. Thanks for coming on, Mira. Thank you for having me. Um, do you want to just give everyone a bit of an intro to yourself and your background? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've been kind of working in the early careers field for about five years now and worked through a number of kind of large organisations. But for the last year have been looking after our graduate intern and apprenticeship recruitment for Dunhamby and, and um, a global role. So it's been keeping me very busy. Nice. It's um, and the, the graduate or early careers piece is always quite interesting. It's not, it's a, a very small subset within a lot of organisations. So how did you fall into that particular niche? One of the things I did want to get involved in is um, actually supporting students. So that was kind of my main driver in, 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 in my role. And um, yeah, I'm obviously um, in, a, in a great position at Dunhumby to be able to offer um, opportunities to students, especially during the time that we're in at the moment with, with COVID-19. I think it's even more important to share kind of expertise that I, I have to students who maybe are finding it quite difficult with finding opportunities in organisations. Nice. Your, uh, your story of how you fell into it is a lot more inspirational than I am. Uh, I, think, <laughs> I don't even know how I fell into recruitment. <laughs> I, I remember that I just, uh, we, had a, um, we had a recruitment company that lived next door to or like across the road from where my dad's house was in Cardiff. And I think I just turned up for an interview one day and I've been in recruitment for eight years now. Um, so at least yours had an inspiration for why you wanted to get into it. Like, I'm embarrassed now. No, sorry. My, my first role actually finishing university was an internship with Manchester United Football Club. Oh, wow. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is, should we end the podcast now? I don't want any of the... Man- <laughs> um, so are you, but, are you uh, a United fan? Or are you... Was that um, I wasn't a United fan before, but like, um, I think that internship definitely... Uh, changed things for me I got to meet a few of the players as well so um yeah that was kind of my first experience in a commercial setting and I actually kind of fell into recruitment and wanting to do something that that almost gave back and tried yeah provide opportunities for students so that was that's amazing do you want to tell us about Dunhumby then Absolutely. So um, some people might have heard of Dunhumby. Actually, when I applied for the role, I hadn't heard about them. I didn't really know about much about what they do, but they're really a pioneer when it comes to data science and the platforms and technologies we have are really second to none in terms of being able to provide um, in intelligence and intel to uh, retailers and understanding how customers behave and how customers shop, yep. especially during COVID-19 and everything that's been going on, um, I guess there's been a bit of a kind of pause in terms of um, retailers wanting to understand um, maybe why certain um, products have been selling over others. But now that we're starting to come out of that, there's been a a lot of kind of insight that we can provide um, during this time to to retailers. Yeah, and Dunhumby, correct me if I'm wrong, you're under the Tesco's umbrella as well, just for uh, people that don't know a lot about you guys that's right that's correct yeah we um um, provide a lot of support to to tesco but we've also started working with with other retailers as well globally so um we're we're based in um 27 different countries just to kind of show you that the reach and and the power of the the data science platforms that we have 
Amazing. So you, you said you didn't really know a lot about Dunhumby when you first applied there. Um, but I suspect that as with uh, anyone looking for a role, you probably had a, a few different options at the time. So what was the, what was the reason you chose Dunhumby and why, you, I guess, still in Dunhumby rather than anywhere else? Um, great question. I think it's, it came down to the people for me. Um, everyone at Dunhumby is, is really willing to give time to others and support each other. And um, I think that's a foundation of, of, of a great company. Um, since I've been there, we've been able to um, really kind of change how early careers is, is works as well. So um, I think we've been able to kind of create a, re a really structured program. Um, and yeah, especially during COVID-19, we've had more kind of interaction with exec members and CEOs. We have kind of more all company calls where we're able to kind of get um, more updates about what's happening and how COVID-19 will affect our business. And, and thankfully, we're, we're in quite a good position where word furlough was not mentioned, thankfully, and, and we're all yeah. quite grateful for that. Um, and we're, we're in a great position where we've been able to work from home quite effectively and really carry on as normal almost. It's interesting you say about the word furlough because it's very rare you talk to anyone at the moment and there's not been the word furlough anywhere. I know within my own group of friends, there's a few of them that are furloughed at the moment. So it seems to yeah. be So it's great you guys haven't taken uh, that initiative. Yeah, I think obviously there was definitely uncertainty to begin with, but um, yeah, coming through now, what seems to be like three or four months in, it, it definitely feels comfortable. And I think where, if anything, things, projects seems, seems to be going underway, we're kind of ramping up with, with yeah. more activity. So um, I think we've, we've kind of found our groove, I guess. It's, uh, it's terrifying. I, I just thought in my mind, wow, we are four months into this at this point. It's been like four months since I've seen loads of like family and friends because uh, of the, the bubble we're creating in the UK. So, yeah, you don't really think very often that we have lost a third of the year to this uh, crisis so far. <laughs> I've, been, I've been joking about this with my colleagues saying before we know it, it'll be Christmas. It's going to be. <laughs> it genuinely will be. I'm, I'm, it will I'm, be. I'm, so I, I turned 30 last Christmas and I'm like, I've lost my entire 30th year to this now. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. Forget about it. Dunhumby great from a, a graduate perspective, an early, early careers perspective. And I've talked to, to Tom and uh, who's your, your lead uh, and uh, a lot about the kind of graduate piece. So do you want to tell us a little bit about the programs internally? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got programs that run um, in, in different countries where we probably have a bit more of a sophisticated and, and structured program is the UK. And that covers um, two offices in, in Brook Green and Hammersmith and also in Manchester. So we run um, three kind of main cohorts of, of programs, one for technology, one for software engineering and one for our commercial business. Um, we've been hiring around um, yeah, 20 grads per year for the last two years um, and those numbers have stayed the same for us thankfully this year. Um, that also translates to internships as well so the same areas, same numbers. Um, this year obviously with the complications that, that we've had um, we've downsized our class slightly and we've concentrated just on technology um, that's really been a decision that our business has made and our CTO, David Jack, kind yeah. of just said, why not? Why don't we do it? Yeah. Um, let's make it happen. You know, virtual still means that we can still connect. And I think that was a really good 
point. So we've still been able to carry on with hiring a virtual technology intern class, which is very unique and obviously requires um, us to kind of change um, the format of the program slightly. It will be a, a virtual experience um, for eight weeks, but we hope that um, obviously if government guidelines do change towards the end of the program that we might be able to bring them into the office um, and kind of run, run a couple of activities together. Um, we, I just did a, a pre-joining session with them yesterday. We did a, a little Dunhumby get what do you know about Dunhumby quiz and I know quizzes are you know the latest thing since um, lockdown has happened so um, yeah they, they really enjoyed that um, and I hope we can obviously provide them a, a great learning experience even though it is virtual so I'd be really keen to get their feedback at the end and, and see what they think. Nice what so you, you're talking about how you've uh, you brought them in virtually and you're gonna when once they start then they're gonna be virtual as well do you want to tell us a little bit about that that roadmap so the interviewing process and what the differentiation is going to be between if they had been in the office and how they're going to be virtually for that first eight weeks definitely um so we actually started the recruitment process off um face to face so we held assessment days um which were face to face in our brook green office and the benefit of that is that we get to meet our interns and they can actually see the environment that they would have been working in um, because of, of COVID-19, we've had to move that virtual. So we held um, a virtual assessment centre where we had to adapt some of our activities slightly. So um, our interns took part in a competency-based interview. They also had to do a presentation and we had um, a, a graduate kind of question and answer session to, to kick that off. Yeah. Really, that was to try and give them a bit of context in terms of what the program looks like, what it's like at Dunhumby, and to give them a bit more understanding, um, because I appreciate it's it's very difficult for them not being able to step into an office and see people in person. So um, that's the way we kind of run our recruitment process. And I've been working with these our group of five um, up until now to keep them engaged and provide information on on what they'll be expecting over the eight weeks. Yeah. And I guess moving forward into the actual program, they have been assigned um, a team and a manager um, and those managers have put together a, a project that they'll be working on. Um, this is um, mainly um, work that's already happening in the team, but they know that um, they could have someone, a competent intern, take over. Um, we, they'll also be taking part in a slightly um, separate project, which is around innovation and um, what they kind of think the next thing, the next big thing for Dunhumby might be, um, which will culminate in a Dragon's Den style presentation. Okay. Yeah, so it should be quite exciting and we'll, we'll have a, a prize for the winner, absolutely. Um, we'll also um, kind of try to run a number of virtual social events, which I have our current um, graduate class supporting me with. Um, they'll be allocated a buddy as well during their time, which is an, an ex-summer um, intern in technology who, is, who are now on our graduate programs and um, because of everything being virtual I've already um, asked our interns to kind of just put together a short video about themselves and where they've studied um, and what they're kind of most looking forward to um, about joining Dunhamby and then I can I can share that with the business and and yeah just create a little bit of a buzz about them joining um, 
because yeah, just this whole situation is just very unique. And um, obviously I've put together this program and it's my take on a virtual internship, but um, I guess our, our business and Dunhamby is generally quite fluid. Um, and I'd like us to kind of work together to, if there's anything that they specifically want to explore or specifically want to gain a bit more knowledge on that I will absolutely support them um, over, the, over the eight weeks to do that. So you, you, you were saying before the session about uh, mental health and that being something that um, you're having to take into account for the graduate community. So do you want to talk us through a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, mental health obviously affects everyone, but probably in, in particular more around our, our graduates and early career uh, candidates that we have coming into the business because they've transitioned from school or university into kind of a, a corporate way of working. And um, I think it's really important that students are, uh, yeah, just very in touch with how they're feeling and being confident enough to communicate that. Um, so um, we're going to actually be running um, a session with our um, early careers kind of population. So our interns, grads and apprentices at Dunhumby and putting them through um, a mental health session that's going to be run um, by our DH Thrive Network, which is, again, an employee-led um, network um, at Dunhumby. So we hope by just kind of providing them with resources and tools that they'll feel um, comfortable with being able to speak to their managers if they're having um, any issues and just being able to highlight um, anything for themselves and understanding when it's, um, you know, it's fine to take a break. Um, you don't have to be on your laptop, you know, from nine till 5.30 for every minute of the day. Yeah. Um, and to look after themselves. Um, we've also got kind of two of our interns who um, are from Cambridge and will be um, probably not going onto campus next year. So yeah. I really want to also support them with, um, with yeah, being able to be co comfortable enough to, um, yeah, take that university opportunity um, as, as well as they can. And I guess this is, again, why my role is so interesting because, it is about recruitment, but it's also about um, yeah, providing kind of that that opportunity to um, yeah, to, to look after the candidates, our students as well, and our grad population. So um, it's definitely a mix between recruitment, but also um, yeah, looking after them when they're in the business. I was going to say you're like you're almost like a surrogate parent in a lot of ways. <laughs> in a way, yeah. <laughs> nice one. And uh, on that Dragons Den piece, are you involved in that panel? Um, I'll be facilitating. Facilitating. Yes. <laughs> so we've actually run a similar kind of um, presentation um, with our current set of graduates. Yeah. So they had to, yeah, the task was to think about the next big thing for Dunhumby and it can be completely out of the box. So we had, yes, yeah, some, some really great ideas, actually. Um, one of them was around creating like a, a Dunhumby lunch club um so using kind of like um also algorithms to like also help colleagues with picking out ingredients for their lunch uh, which was really unique um and it also helps with bringing kind of colleagues together which yeah is obviously uh, they presented that when we weren't in COVID-19 but um, we then had our CTO as one of our um, judges and we had our head of ventures um as well so um yeah a really great opportunity for like our early careers population to present in front of exec members and then also to share their own opinions because I think that's what's really insightful and valuable it's not just about 
a grad kind of getting on with a project but it's about our grads are really our future leaders and um i think the business can see the power of that and the benefit of that by um i guess myself pushing them forward and creating these activities sure um so so do you if you uh, had to say which dragon you think you would be do you know who you be within the dragons um, the dragons keep changing so much so i just actually can't even remember who's on the panel anymore um oh yeah no I'm, I, I don't think no. I'm, you're not a Peter Jones, you're not a uh, Fia Pathetis. I don't think he's on it anymore. No, he's not. No, I think, oh, I'm thinking I'm pretty soft actually. I think they're all probably a bit, a bit, bit, hard. <laughs> yeah, a bit too harsh. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, so, I guess with the, the current in, in, environment, me and you were talking a couple of weeks ago about international students and I suspect that's limited what you've been able to do on that side from a graduate perspective. Yeah, um, definitely. So we've concentrated on um, students that can work safely in the UK. Um, and yeah, there's definitely been um, challenges with, I guess, foreign students in, in general with yeah. being able to uptake um, a university degree starting in 2020. Um, there are definitely, um, yeah, I guess a, a whole kind of um, number of issues with, with university in a 2020 start date as well. Um, we've got universities at the moment taking very different approaches with how students might um, go back and or start university. So, for example, Cambridge have decided that it's all going to be online for their for the first year and they've made quite a, a bold decision to do that. Um, whereas on the other hand, we've got um, other universities, um, for example, Sheffield have said that they're going to try to create bubbles of, of students. And I think Staffordshire have taken a similar approach. So kind of taking students who might be on, on the same course, um, asking them to, to live together as well. So they kind of create their own community. students. Um, and I think, I think um, a poll was recently undertaken, I think it was in a Guardian article, that 97% um, of, of universities would like to have some form of face-to-face -face contact. Um, how much that is, is obviously the question with government guidelines in place. But I guess the, the experience is, is going to be very di different. Yep. I guess that's going to be the driving force behind whether students actually take up an offer this September or whether they decide to defer. Um, I think UCAS also mentioned that um, yesterday was kind of the deadline to accept offers, but last week they were still waiting for, I think, 65,000 students to confirm. So I guess it just shows that students are still quite uncertain as to um, what approach to take. Should they take up that offer? Should they defer? Should they look at other options such as apprenticeships? Um, should they take a year out to do some volunteering, for example? Um, so I think it's a very difficult time for, for students. And this is, I guess, the class of 2020 that have, you know, also just come out of graduating and haven't necessarily been to a, a graduation ceremony as well. Yeah, so, um, yeah I, I think it's been a really difficult time for students. And I think that's why I kind of again really enjoy being in in my role and still being able to create um, virtual experiences for students who um, because I guess um, kind of experiences at the moment are, are quite limited. Yeah and I 
I think what's, what's fascinating is when you go to university, you don't just learn from an academic perspective. I know I was very, and this is a bit of a cliche, but I think I was a very different person when I left university to when I joined. Yeah. Like I, was, I was always quite a bubbly person, but I don't think I would be quite as comfortable now doing podcasts and, and doing presentations in front of people if I hadn't had that university experience. Because it kind of yeah. drove into me that they, like the, the social aspect and everything like that. So that's what's going to be really interesting is that, yes, you students will be able to still, to much of an extent, get the same academic support, but you won't benefit so well socially, in, in my opinion. Yeah. Because you're, you're going to, with the social bubbles that you were talking about that Staffordshire and, and Sheffield are doing, yes, you'll interact with certain people, but it's going to be very small what you can do, whereas... I, I, when I went to Manchester University, I was in a lecture hall with 200 people at any given time. So you yeah. met a lot of people, which isn't going to happen anymore, or at least for exactly. Um, I think for it makes sense for those kind of larger sessions to to be online, and for kind of those maybe smaller tutorials, hopefully yeah. be face to face. Because it, it, I guess that universities will ho hopefully be able to accommodate that. Um, but I guess each university just has to yeah, take, take their own approach to, to what they can deliver. Maybe smaller campuses, I think like Winchester have said, they can probably provide kind of the usual experience that they would normally do. And, um, and that's brilliant for those who obviously want a kind of yeah, a, a more normal university experience. Um, but th there are also universities still kind of saying that they will be able to provide that sporting element and being able to get involved in sports again. Um, I'm not sure how they'll do this. And I think it's still probably down to students as to deciding what they want from their university experience. Yep. If it is that um, more rounded experience, they could be looking at um, maybe entry in 2021. However, that year is going to be even more competitive. Exactly. Got, potentially got universities that then don't have the income that they've had for students um, entering this year. Um, they might even have to kind of limit the numbers that they have in 2021. Um, but also the competition of students kind of applying next year will increase as well. So um, it's, yeah a really difficult decision for students um and probably we'll see kind of more um established universities and higher more popular universities having more places this year than than next year so it's probably yeah definitely a, a, a balance between i guess what students want from their experience what's going to be interesting when we look in five years time is going to be the market and there's hopefully this isn't the case but i would understand why students would defer for a year um, if the option is there, we might end up with a with a year gap in in skill sets where there's yeah. where there isn't that skill set during the twenty class of twenty twenty. Let's call them. So that's what's going to be fascinating about the uh, the work market in five years time when we look at it and go, okay, we should have um, we should these people should be going from like a, a junior to a mid, but there's a big gap in that market. So um, what happens there is going to be quite fascinating. From a, um, for you, you were talking about uh, your insight into different universities just then, like Cambridge, Staffordshire and, and Sheffield. Did Dunham be partner with universities? We've, um, we haven't partnered with universities currently. Um, we've actually been taking a slightly broader approach because of our quite small numbers that we have in terms of intake um, for our grads and, and interns and apprentices. We, we take kind of less than 50 in the UK. So, um, 
we yeah haven't partnered with specific universities but we've kind of taken slightly broader approaches with partnering with um stem women we partnered with last year um, and ran a couple of activities with them which which were great um they were did, did um, a, a careers fair at the science museum which uh, for us is is actually just down the road so it works really well um and this year we'll actually be looking to partner with another of couple of um external providers um to help us kind of brand ourselves to um students because again um probably in terms of a, a graduate population dunhumby isn't probably one of the ones that comes to mind straight away but actually when we talk about our tesco affiliation they're like oh okay that that makes absolute sense and oh you created the club card um so i think and and, and i guess that also comes down to the numbers that we hire um I, one of the things that we are also working on um and this is in collaboration with one of our um networks which is a multicultural network called da one is we're going to be um, creating a kind of virtual work experience for um, year 10 students who haven't been able to complete work experience this year. Um, so we're working with, um, I believe it's um, going to be Hammersmith Academy to um, kind of pick out a, a few students, um, mainly from, from a BAME background, to just provide them with a kind of a half day insight session around what it's like to be at Dunhumby, what we do, and kind of a um, few kind of tips on uh, creating a CV um, and upskilling them in terms of what to kind of um, look out for when they're looking for jobs, etc. So um, I think this is um, something we've put together quite quickly, actually, but we definitely feel that there's a need. Um, there's definitely a gap for for high school students as well who haven't been able to go to school we've got schools trying to facilitate online learning as well um, and we definitely think that there's a gap um, especially um, for BAME students um, at the moment who may not ha necessarily have the same opportunities as, as other students. I, um, I saw a scary stat the other day that is I, I don't have the exact number in front of me but something like 70 percent of teachers feel like their students aren't engaging in the same way they would be if they were if they were in school at the moment which uh, yes I raised the one-year gap but what's probably more terrifying is what's going to happen to basically anyone from the age of 18 down to, to five right now there's there's probably a much bigger gap than that, that we'll be looking at in a few years time yeah absolutely and I guess that almost you know those things have put strains on parents and become yeah teachers as well and I guess those individuals who have jobs and and their productivity it's it has been a very difficult like experience for all um but like you said it's we'll just have to kind of almost wait and see what the what that means in terms of impact um yeah. I generally think for students who have finished their A levels or have just graduated this whole kind of class of 2020 I think in the future if employers kind of see that um, these students have graduated in, in 2020, yeah. they'll almost just look at their CV and say, I get it, like, I understand. And I hope that that's the tact that, that employers take. Uh, I, I really like that you picked up on the um, on the, the DNI or BAME piece a minute ago. So I've been having conversations over the last few days with several clients, and it's it's just come out the, the blue, but obviously with everything that's going on at the moment. Yeah. Um, your area of the business, I don't think that people will appreciate all the time, but for me, that graduate early careers piece is really where we fix the problem with diversity in tech uh, because 
yes, we want to fix it at a more senior level so that there's, uh, in an ideal world, 50-50 split between CVs to shortlists, et cetera, and hiring. But I think it's going to be that graduate STEM piece that's really going to fix the, the problem that we're seeing. So it's great that you guys are, are thinking about that as well. Yeah, I think um, our, in particular, our DH1 network are, and, and this is an employee-led network. So they are doing kind of leaps and bounds in terms of lean-in sessions, um, education to the business, um, and they're doing really great things. So that's why we've kind of put this in collaboration, early careers and our um, work to, to put this together because I think, um, you know, giving back to our community and social mobility are, are really, really important. And like you said, trying to bring through um, yet more diverse class of, of um, graduates and interns is easier um, than bringing them up from kind of the higher levels um, into businesses. But that definitely doesn't mean that we have still a lot of work to do in terms of um, you know, be in terms of unconscious bias, for example, um, one of the things that we have been able to do as part of our recruitment process with early careers and um, something I've implemented is we've actually taken out redacted the names of institutions where students study. So already we're seeing a, a slightly more um, different type of graduate entering. So we have um, yeah, it's definitely more diverse. We've got grads coming from Leeds, from Brighton, um, as examples where traditionally, um, you know, assessors might say Cambridge or Imperial and think, oh, that's great. Um, but by just kind of taking out that information, we combat that issue of, of any type of bias. Um, and actually I've, I've gotten feedback from assessors at the end of that process. And I said, if you had known where the student had gone and studied, would that have made a difference? And one of them actually said, yeah, it would have, because I studied in the same place. Yeah. And in the back of my heart, mind, I would have wanted to ask some questions about like, oh, like this department and this student union. Um, and I think it's just a really easy way of us being able to create a, a really fair um, recruitment process and, and not judging on kind of where students have um, studied, but more on their quality. Yeah, and it's, um, it's great that you guys are thinking about D&I in totality. I think the DNI a lot of the time is simply male versus female, and then uh, and then Bane versus I guess uh, traditional white uh, kind of backgrounds. Whereas, like you say, it's it's class systems. It's looking at stuff like uh, neuro, uh, like disabilities. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's even this one is often forgotten, but it's like how can we support people that are ex-military? Like how can we get these people back involved in? Uh, in jobs once they they come out of it, so I love that when companies are looking at DNI in totality rather than just going this is the uh, this is the flavour of the week. This is where we're focusing right now. Next year it's going to be this, but we'll forget about the one that we were doing last year. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, a lot of our work around BAME actually started quite a long time ago. So we've always kind of seen that as. Um, an area where we need to improve and I'm sure other organizations feel that same um, yeah that same pressure point um, but I think it's really um, yeah still very important that we still create a very um, consistent process and we're not kind of pushing certain candidates through for, for the sake of doing it but 
trying to create a really inclusive atmosphere and environment firstly yep. and, and things by having really strong networks which i think dunhamby has and um our multicultural network have, have done really great things up until now um and so by kind of sharing what we do as a business we're already um want bame kind of candidates to come forward and i think that's that's a message that I think we we need to kind of promote more rather than saying, oh, we have to have, you know, a certain percentage on a short list. Um, and I think that that's where we're already seeing improvements in our classes coming forward. And especially with just our five interns who have joined that. Yeah, it's, it's a really nice, diverse class. Amazing. And by its nature, early careers is it's hard to um, to well, you have to build relationships within that because it's not simply a case of you bring them in, you get them interviewed and then they're hired and then you move on, which um, oftentimes is slightly how recruitment works, but for you, I suspect it's very, very different. So how do you, how do you uh, create those relationships and how do you foster them over a longer period? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I have kind of created um, a bit more structure with our current graduates. Mm around um, pastoral care um, being that kind of point of contact between uh, their teams and managers um, while they're on the program so we definitely have um, yeah a kind of strategy and a, a structure in place that allows graduates to um, explore even other areas of the business outside of their teams um, one thing I, I probably didn't mention is that our graduate programs are rotational so graduates spend um, six months in three different teams um, which make the 18-month program and, and during that um, I kind of help support them with deciding where they'll like to spend time for their next rotation sure. and really being a kind of career counsellor really and in helping them shape ultimately where they'd like to be at the end of their program um, and yeah so I think that that's also probably down to like the reasons why I even got into like the whole early careers recruitment in, in the first place and I think really satisfaction comes from grads finishing their program and saying I had a great program and now I'm ready to like be in my permanent position and and get going um so yeah sure um and I, I guess my final question before we move on to the uh the game that I've warned you about is uh <laughs> no pressure uh, <laughs> is upskilling technical uh your technical team at the moment and like even including the the team that you've had come through the the last batch virtually is often quite difficult so how are Dunhamby going about that at the moment? Yeah, so um, just thinking about kind of our, our interns that are joining, especially, we're going to give them access to Udemy. So any downtime that they have, we're going to encourage them to take um, as many courses to upskill themselves technically, I think is super important. Um, our grads get the same access as well. Um, and I think the where the Dunhamby graduate scheme is quite different is that their 18 months is very much focused on development. They're not a headcount, they're not an additional resource to a team. The 18 months is spent on learning and development. So, um, and especially with, with technical skills, I think we can absolutely, um, yeah, provide them with learning so that at the 18 months, they, they really become, um, uh, yeah, skilled in, in programming languages. I've got uh, one grad at the moment who's just been spending a couple of weeks learning um, a, a new program language. And I've kind of gone back through um, 
yeah, her kind of year with us so far. And I think she's picked up like three or four already and is, is really competent. So um, I think that that's why I think our grad scheme is, is quite unique in that in the sense that it is very much just learning and development and then being able to put into practice what they've learned in their teams. Yeah. Um, and even with, um, I think, going forward with graduates coming in, um, being able to utilise our apprenticeship levy for yep. supporting with, with learning as well is definitely an avenue that we're going to look at. Um, there's definitely more that we can provide in terms of learning. And I think, um, especially with technical skills, with kind of things changing so often, um, we're, we're going to be using um, the levy as a way to also uh, provide learning to students. Amazing, amazing. And um, I guess before we move on to the quiz, is there any other advice that you would give either students that maybe listen to this or anyone else that's uh, in your field about what you're doing at the moment that you think you could give advice on? Um, yeah, I think for students, I think there's... Um, there's obviously the um, desire for some students to, to want to go to university, but there are absolutely, there are alternatives to that. And especially at this, at this time, I would in, encourage students to think about what's important for them. And um, I guess it's that risk versus reward, um, which I think that students really should think about and where they're going to kind of see the, the main benefit for them. If the culture and freshers week and all those things are really important maybe hang on and, and go in 2021. But if it's really important to, you know, if certain students have to provide for families, et cetera, and feel like they need to um, start with an income, then look at apprenticeships, look at, you know, finding a job and potentially then going to university. I think it's about definitely taking the time to think about what um, is, is right and, and important for them uh, rather than rushing in, into decisions. Um, and also for students to kind of take advantage of like free online resource. There's so many companies being able to offer um, great things at the moment with I think Harvard University had like free online courses. Um, so take advantage of, of everything that the world is given at the moment because there's, there's great free things online. Um, there's a, a company called Bright Network that have just created this internship experience UK, um, which might have been on the news. So they're creating free um, three day uh, virtual internships for students. Um, anyone over 18 um, can actually apply. And um, these internships are run by the likes of Google, m and Amazon so so really large companies who are, who are offering those um, so yeah I think there's there's a lot to be able to take advantage of at the moment I think it's important for, for students especially to, to just make the right decision that's right for them and I guess for organizations as well um, we're all going through yeah very very different kind of um, circumstances and I think where possible just trying to bear in mind the things that are important um, diversity and inclusion absolutely and still being able to provide um, opportunities to students and I think Dunhumby we don't have large intakes but I think with a bit of kind of planning and and passion really uh, we can absolutely get things done and I think um, I'm a good example of that great advice love that love that cool so uh, are you ready for the game ready okay cool fine so uh, for anyone that's not listened before what we're gonna do is we're gonna chuck some questions out uh, Mira's gonna come up with the first answer that comes to her head out of the two and we'll see how she does on this so coffee or tea coffee spring or summer summer Netflix or Disney Plus? Netflix. Netflix, nice, okay. 
staycation or holiday abroad? Holiday abroad. I know the answer to this one. Dogs or cats? Cats, all the way. <laughs> Salty or sweet? Oh, can I have both? No. <laughs> I, love salt, I love salty and sweet popcorn. Ah, okay, salty. Salty. Mm-hmm. Normal people or Tiger King? <laughs> Tiger King. Tiger King, nice. University or college? Oh. This is the one that I said would be difficult, I think. Oh, wow. College. College, nice. Eat in or take out? Eat in. Go for a run or lounge about? Lounge about. Lounge about. There you go. You did well. You did really well. <laughs> cool. So, they were good questions. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, we, I won't take credit for them. Our, uh, our lovely content manager, Daisy, was, uh, was all over them. So we, we've got to the end of the podcast. Firstly, thank you so much for appearing. I think it's been a really good episode. Um, for anyone that wants to reach out to you, because I'm sure that off the back of a lot of the things we've spoken about in the last half an hour or so, people are going to have questions. How can people reach out to you? Um, yeah, like um, LinkedIn is definitely a great way. So feel free to drop me a message or connect. I'm more than happy to kind of talk to anyone about what we've done at Dunhumby or, or anything really. Nice. And I, I guess for anyone that has got questions directly to myself or the Hackerjob team, if you reach out with any questions or queries to hello at hackerjob.co and we'll get them answered then. Perfect. Thank you so much for all the listeners and thank you very much to you, Mira. Uh, yeah, Darren, I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me on, but also for, for running these podcasts. I think they're great. And I think it's um, yeah, a great way for kind of organisations to stay connected during this time. So thank you so much. Thank you. Speak to you very soon, guys. Bye-bye.